Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're recording? Now we are, yes. That was shit. Shit, 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 shit tonight. That just felt shitty simply because the after that first period, you, you if I were to tell you that it's a 5-2 loss, like that's just, it didn't feel deserved. It felt like, felt like a pretty good effort from the start. With no Austin Matthews, you're playing against the best team in the league that is currently on a bit of a, a slide. Is it Schneid? Can you say Schneid as part of that? Is that a word? I've never heard of that word. Anyways, off the Schneid, I don't know. Anyways, I'm making up words apparently now. Schneid but, is a losing streak. That is a word. Oh, there we go. So, Leafs obviously lose tonight 5-2 to the Boston Bruins. We're going to get into that. Um, we're going to get into the rest of the games that occurred from this past week, which includes the 5-1 win over the Capitals. The It was a 5 it was not 5-1 against the Sens. We lost 5-1. It was not 5-1. Was I have it 6-1? It, right it was 6-2. 6-2. You had that written down. Anyway, and then the 3-2 OT win against the New York Rangers as well. On top of that, we're going to get into how the team looked without Austin Matthews. Is this defensive group good enough? And some more trade targets. Defense, a little bit of defense, a little bit of wingers, some big fish, little fish, and everything in between. Yeah. But let's get into it real quick. Tonight's game. What the hell happened? Honestly, I don't know. It was a tough game. Uh, a couple lapses here and there. Uh, I thought first period, and we ended off on the, the right foot, which is always good to, to see. Mm-hmm. I thought, honestly, it was a back-and-forth period. Boston probably had the advantage for, for the first couple minutes, and Leafs came out swinging for the latter half and really showed yeah. showed that they could hang with the best team in the league, which they obviously can. But with no Austin With no Matthews. Austin Matthews, which is important, right? But... Honestly, it was a tough one because uh, even even it still felt like it was in reach all the way up until that fourth goal that came from Boston. Yes. Especially because that fourth goal came directly after we scored a goal out of four on four. And it's like just incredibly deflating. It um, came exactly 30 seconds. Yeah. Exactly 30 seconds from Pavel Zaka yeah. after Callie Yarncroft scored. Yeah. And you know what? I, the big thing is like Callie Yarncroft scored, put the goal at a one goal game. Wayne Simmons had that fight beforehand. There were mix. Michael Bunting was getting beat up left, right, and center. That usually, you know, gets the team going. But then, just like a Pavel Zaka rip, that I don't know, was it? It wasn't even that. I don't even call it a rip. Like it was a good shot, good placement, hit the post and in. But from a not dangerous area at all. I mean, Samsonov, for how he started, just I don't know, like couldn't come up with the saves really. That's the game within the game there. It looked like he started to fade as the game yeah. went on. Maybe a little mental fatigue. He's, I think, he's got a break coming up, so that'll be good. But the one thing I did want to point out, and I think this is the biggest part of the game right here, if I were to tell you that Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, Taylor Hall, and David Krejci combined for one assist. Actually, interchange Krejci and Pasternak. They each had one assist. Those guys, those guys combined for one assist. What would it, what would you think the score would be? 
Not that not high. 5-2. Not 5-2. You gave up two goals to Zaka, a goal to Brandon Carlo, A.J. Greer, Derek Forbert. A.J. Greer played seven minutes and 40 seconds this game. Derek Forbert is a horrible offensive player, I want to say. Like, I'm just basing, yeah, eight points in 39 games this year. He's not a very good offensive player at all. He gave up a goal to him as well. Like, this was just like a bottom, the bottom half of the Boston lineup beat the hell out of you. Yeah, and it's honestly, I should have seen this coming because I, all year I've been saying that, like, well, okay, they have. Well, the Boston Bruins, their bottom six, I said that they would, would slightly, they would regress because they're, they were, sh- their bottom six was shooting at like a, Almost a 20%. Oh, yeah. Felino was, was at like 25%. An on-ice shooting percentage of like 20%. That is going to come down to earth. And yeah. of course, the game that we play them is that when it bounces back. back. One thing I want to mention, though, I, I like that little grab from you, but Coil, or sorry, Lindholm, yeah. McAvoy, mm-hmm. Grizzlick, all those guys got assists that night. And Derek Forbert. And Derek that's another, Forbert. That's another defenseman so, right there. Interesting to see that even though it wasn't their biggest, like their big forwards getting coming into the like and, and promoting and helping offense, it was their defenseman jumping add up on in the to play, your point, Connor Clifton didn't get a point, but what happened this yeah. game with Connor Clifton? Almost scored. He almost should have had a almost scored a goal. Should have very had a nice goal. goal from start and that started from his own end. I'm also th- I'm not even thinking. I'm thinking of when Brandon Carlos should have scored when he, there was a cross seam play. Uh, oh. In the first period, I think like right. At the and if of the he game. didn't, wa- if he if he one timed it, he yeah. had Samsonov on the ropes, yeah. but he did not. Samsonov recovered it. well, and he made shut a up, save. Shut up, Cam Sharon, for pointing that out on Twitter. Yeah. I, that's how I. I that's how well, I, I I posted it, it saying yeah. like what a save. Yeah. like yes, he he was abs. Cam Cam Sharon was absolutely correct on that yeah. one, but it was a different play. Connor Clifton had another fantastic chance too. So. The offense from the back end really did help the Bruins tonight. That is a very good point there. Um, but also, I mean, Linus Olmark played solid. There was in the first period there was it was a great goalie duel. I thought we were gonna come down to a low scoring goalie duel type type of game. But like Linus Olmark in the first period, when you think about these plays, it was Rasmus Sandin off the one timer. He made a great blocker save there. William Nylander came down. It was. Um, Close-ish to the goal line, made the feed across ice. Linus Olmark was able to get square to the puck at the last second and make a good save there with no rebound. A few other great saves in there, but 33 saves on 35 shots. I mean, solid, solid performance tonight yeah. from him, I would and, say. And I think we would have gone there. I think the biggest thing about this game and why it got away from us so early was that we just simply made two, I don't know about two colossal mistakes, but like essentially there are two goals. Came off of us making mistakes with the the penalty kill, the penalty kill, and the, sorry, yeah, the power play goal, power play against, goal against, yeah, yeah, and then the uh, the second goal, which came in the second period, it was the long shift, the long long shift fourth, line the fourth line shift, line, yeah, right. So just to like break break well, break down, I guess what happened on those goals. I don't even like, I don't know. Well, we had the five forward power play out there. No, it was well, is Morgan Riley forward? That's what, that's what he, <laughs> I honestly that's what he looked like. It, it was a, basically a four on four at that point, because yeah, if, yeah. if we're going to be honest, Morgan Riley was in La La Land that entire time and literally had no idea. Like he was just was he useless. Was no he was spot. useless yeah. in that in that play. Like I'm sorry, like that was just brutal. 
And yeah. I think we're going to touch on that a little later because we got we're going to talk about it. like is it this was a defensive? stoppable shot, but like it was a good good area, good opportunity. Well, Wide pre-shot open movement too. in the slot, yeah. like th- those that does not so benefit you your goal. Yeah, got to give it to him. And then yeah. the, the second second goal came also. I think as a, I don't want to blame our defenseman for this, but like you firing you got to get the puck back out. and forth. Yeah, at you each got to get the puck out at some point. And I know they didn't get a lot of help from Pontus Holmberg, their center. The wingers weren't supporting that well, but like. Well, your wingers are Zach Aston Reese and yeah. Wayne Simmons. That's fully the coach's fault for putting those two in there. Very true. That that as well because those guys are essentially the same player. They don't work like that. Not line. even they're the same player. They're both Spigs like just slow. not like Wayne Simmons is not an NHL player anymore. It's sad to say, but he isn't. yeah, like that was a very nice fight. He's gotten into a couple great scraps. He's really laying the body on the line for the boys. Like he's trying to throw hits out there, but. Like, just the penalties. He can't get the puck out. He can't skate with the puck anymore. Like, he's, just, he's a net front guy, he, or he was a net front guy, but it's like, how, okay, what does that matter when you're playing with Zach Aston Reese? Yeah. You can't forecheck. It's like that, that, everything's gone. Like, I don't know how you look at that after tonight and just go, like, yeah, we, we, can, we can put Wayne Simmons back into the lineup again. Here's the thing, though the chances of him starting in the playoffs, I'm going to put at like 65%. Of him, you think he makes the opening night? A hundred percent. We said That's this last malpractice. year. That's malpractice. We said this last year. That's malpractice. You should have your card. Kyle Cliff. Be bl- you should be. You should be blacklisted from the league if that's your coaching decision to put Wayne Simmons out there in the first game of the playoffs. I I really think he will. Maybe I I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong, but again, we we said the same thing last year and we saw it last year, right? So I don't know why there would be any difference. And I get that they want that element of like forechecking and like hitting and he does he can't forecheck. I know I or fighting and toughness, but like get someone else then. Go find someone else. I will Go. say I will say he. What's the the boxing exercise where you have the two hands and you're hitting the ball? Oh, the speed bag. The speed he he speed bag <laughs> AJ Greer's head today. Yeah. Oh my god! Like I've never seen someone swing so, like. AJ Greer is 6'3", 200 pounds or whatever. Wayne Simmons is listed at like 180, but he speed bagged his head. He has the thing that like is so important in fighting that whatever, this is like more of a the UFC length. thing, but he has the length. He has his his reach is absolutely absurd. It doesn't matter how, t- if you're, you can be two, two inches taller than him. He still has the advantage on you because his yeah. arms are so long. So and he's a bull. He's a good fighter, but listen, <laughs> he can't get. The listen, this out. isn't the UFC. This isn't Bellator. We 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 need guys who. This isn't that weird um, slap slap no, fighting. There's that. That's that's just absurd. If you watch that, like just go outside. Car boxing. No phone booth that. boxing. No, it's not car jujitsu either. Thing getting ahead of you on that one. Um, there's a league. It was made by the. Um, the Danbury Trashers guy, and it's just like fighting on the ice. It's just hockey fighting. Is that it's literally like, hockey fights? Is it defunct? Is that still exist? no? It just came out like this year, and they did like one tournament. I'm gonna give that like over under two and a half years. I'm gonna hit the under on that. It's, the, it's such and a someone will definitely like get a wrist, crack their head, crack open. their head on this. The, the, how about a skate blade to the face? Like something crazy like that. Definitely gonna happen. Hopefully, We're wildly not, off but, topic. Right anyways, now, back anyways, back to the back Bruins to, game. Um, back to the Bruins game. It was terrible. It was terrible. Sucks. So yeah, I I don't think. Some much-needed rest for Samsonov. Um, good reset for the team. I mean, Nylander went zero points, dash three tonight. I thought he had some great jump. He had a couple very nice backhand chances. I think he, he like, jumped to say the least. I think that that's just the way that I described the way from the way watching him. He had some very good jump tonight, I would say. 
created some great chances, just couldn't couldn't find the back of the net. I mean, he had an open look on a two-on-one, and he put it five feet over the net. Yeah, his direction finder was off. I don't know if it's – I don't know what his issue was tonight. Yeah. But, Passing the puck well, though, yeah. getting the, uh, retrieving the puck on his own. Like, solid game from William Nylander, I thought, but just they just couldn't fit it together. And unfortunately, that bottom six was a black hole for offense. It really was. It really was. Honestly, I miss I miss Bobby. I miss Bobby. Bobby had a kind of a like a. I like Bobby as well, but Not he a had week. a cuff. Uh, he had a tough couple last games yeah. before getting sent down. What about Joey Anderson tonight? You feel like he played well? I kind of didn't um, notice so much. That it was kind of like a good thing, but. I mean, he, like when Joey Anderson's on your third line, you realize. There are some issues with your depth, but I thought Joey Anderson has stepped in nicely. He's scored here and there. He's chipped in. Um, he had a couple open nets against Washington that he missed. Like he's he's playing nice. I think he's a good thirteenth forward. Yeah, like, plain enough. and simple. Fair enough. But yeah, just a tough night overall for the boys. But um, I don't know why I'm looking at this now. Anyways, um, let's get into the Washington game. Uh, just a an explosion. That was kind of a game you felt you're like, okay, Sunday, 5 p.m., literally at the worst time ever. I don't know why you're putting the Leafs on. You're skipping Saturday. You're putting them on the Sunday of conference championships in the NFL. Like, great idea. And not to mention, that was John Tavares' 1,000th game. John Tavares, exceptional status to the OHL, Decided to come home, sign a big ticket with his hometown team, pajama boy John Tavares, his 1,000th game, and it fell on a Sunday because the Leafs were bounced from Saturday for God knows what reason. Come on. Ridiculous. But anyways, Sunday at 5 p.m., kind of a game you thought the Leafs weren't going to get up to. They went down one nothing, but then guess what? They beat the hell out of the Capitals after that. They The Capitals really didn't have an answer for them. Um, got some goals from some surprising guys. I mean, Engvall had a solid game in that one. JT, 1,000th game. He had two assists in that one, too. I mean, spread off. The, the offense was spread throughout the team, which was nice to see. And Samsonov redeemed himself against his old team. And one player in particular scored a goal. First of oh, the season. Morgan Riley. How could yes, I forget? he did. Scored his first of the season. Yay! Bunky off the back. He should be better in the future, right? Anyways, we'll, see. we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> but uh, a little foresight. Yeah, that was a, it's a good game. A nice, it's good. nice Sunday game. Good revenge game for Sammy. Good exactly. thousandth game for JT. Got two points, like you said. Like, a good feel-good game, honestly. Yeah, definitely. If, if, I feel like if they were to play closer... To, like if they were to have played on then on Tuesday after that performance, it would have been, you know, the vibes would have been a little bit better. How about if they just didn't play on excuse. Wednesday night against the Bruins and that was their game before the the All Star break? The vibes would be immaculate. Oh, I mean, vibes would be that immaculate. Would have been nice. That would have been amazing. That would have been really nice. But here we are. Here we Who are. Thought? How weird is it that like they're staggering teams' breaks? Like some teams have been off already since like Saturday. I was gonna say the scheduling is literally the dumbest thing I've ever seen. There was nine games in the last four five days. And then Sunday, you had the Hurricanes and the Bruins face off at 5 p.m. And then you had the Leafs and the Capitals play at 5 p.m. as well. Yeah. Why would you? Why would like? I don't get it. It's for the people with. 
I honestly, I'm trying to come up with a joke. I can't even come. Up. It's just so it's, stupid. It's literally just for you, people with five TVs. <laughs> it's just that's stupid. about it. <laughs> it's just stupid, honestly. I I know. It's I, incredibly stupid. That's what it is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll get into it. But, well, actually, I did want to get into this real quick. There has been a tweet circulating around that says the following. Uh, let me find. I lost it. From Mark J. Burns, he says NHL UST. TV national viewership is down 22% this season per findings from Austin Carp. NHL regular games to date have averaged 373,000 viewers on ESPN slash TNT. Second season of the league's seven-year pact with Disney and Turner. NHL averaged 478,000 viewers at this point last season. This is this tweet has been making its rounds. People have been freaking out about it. Oh, it's because they don't market the stars well enough. They don't stagger the times. Too much math. They don't blackout. They, they too many blackouts. Which is actually, that's point a good point. To this. Um, I saw one. Yes, as you mentioned, Carlo Koliakovo from TSN 1050 literally said in one point, "Too much math." <laughs> well, like I, 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 he, he, that one broke my brain. I, I didn't know what, uh, like, too much math. They, uh, my mom won't let me watch the games until I'm done my math homework. But the reason I wanted to talk about this is because this guy kind of misquoted this article. He took the first part of the article, didn't explain it, the rest of it, just pump, just literally his next tweet, instead of explaining what the article then goes into, he literally just took the time to say, hey, these are my other uh, things you should follow. Like, okay, dude, sick. Unreal. Austin Carper wrote a great article on this to explain why national games are down 22% this season versus last. Number one, this is like the TV networks are obviously not happy about this. It's never good to see a 22% drop. But number two, also like cable TV is going down. We all know it. People are cord cutting like crazy with all the streaming that's available and how expensive cable is and such. But this is important to note. It says in the article, for ESPN, Sunday is dragging down ESPN because the NHL, so in all of their wisdom, is scheduling way too many games on Sundays. What else is on Sundays? Football. <laughs> and you, have, of all people, should know that. Like, What are most Americans going to choose? Football, obviously. It's football Sunday, Gary. Yeah. Don't even try to tread on that one. Over on ESPN, 18 games to date have averaged 402,000 viewers, down 35% from 622,000 over just seven games on the cable network at the same point last year. The comparison includes six games on Sunday this season up against the NFL as well as a, a big opening night in 2021. There were no weekend games at this point last season on ESPN. ESPN's 12 non-Sunday games NHL games are averaging 491,000 viewers, which would be on pace to beat last year's average. And then they go on to say total minutes that people have spent on NHL and ESPN.com is up. Socials are up, all of that. Like, Yeah, but I think I get, I get people, the, the article is being misquoted, but the bottom line is that the NHL is incredibly stupid with their schedule making. That that part is dumb. Like it yeah. is It is down, but it's not because people are like, Oh, I'm not watching the NHL anymore. Yeah. That which people seem to be thinking, oh, that's why everyone's stopped watching hockey. No. Listen, a I- lot of people are picking the NFL over the NHL, which is tale as old as time. Yeah. And then on TNT, pretty much, I'm going to summarize it real quick. 
they it's down 16%. There was some blackouts that impacted them this year that did not impact them last year. On top of that, there have been more nationally televised games uh, compared to last season. And when you have more nationally televised games, you don't have that scarcity. Obviously, your average viewership is going to go down. Uh, maybe some of the teams that are playing in, uh, on the national games aren't that attractive. I, I, I don't know the worst matchup that has been nationally televised, but... Well, yeah. I, 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 I follow some American uh, guys on Twitter who like, like, to, like to watch hockey, and I think they presented a great point. There was a game where I forget what the... There was an 8 o'clock game that a West team was playing on the West Coast, and then the, there was like a 10... Like there was a couple, a couple of 8 o'clock games, and then there was one 10 o'clock game, and it was on TNT, and it was Columbus against Chicago. And he's like, why are we why are we not at this point in the season like doing what the NFL does and flexing games out of that time slot and putting like another team in that time slot? That's something that they, they should explore and that's something that they should do because I'm telling you, no one's gonna watch the last place Chicago Blackhawks against the second last place Columbus. I don't even know if that's where they are in the standings. I don't want to look. I don't even want to look at them. They're both atrocious. They're both somewhere in the bottom five, so I don't want to watch them. But yeah, oh the NHL ratings God. are national. It's crazy. National? Crazy, but what would be the NFL equivalent to that? It'd be like the Denver Broncos playing playing the Indianapolis Colts on, <laughs> on Thursday night. <laughs> That's literally the equivalent. Of it. Oh god! But uh, good article. It was a yeah. great read. I tweeted about it, but like people are misinterpreting this article like crazy. Yeah. Anyhow, like yes, the NHL doesn't market their star stuff. Yes, the NHL doesn't nationally market certain games and certain teams. Like, or actually, they don't market nationally well enough it's all locally like you're in minnesota you're a minnesota wild fan here's here's kirill kaprizov like that's it kind of thing they don't kind of they don't do a good enough job reaching to new audiences they don't try new things that well they did a winter classic what 14 years ago and then now they're still just pumping the same thing they're still going like yeah we got one right here we go here's the winter classic for the 19th time which actually did very well this year oddly but anyways, wanted to touch on that really quick. What the hell were we talking about before? We're talking about let's let's just recap the, the last two games. The, the Sens, Sens game was terrible. pretty much similar to the Leafs game. I would uh, First, sorry that the Sens game was similar to the Leafs game. Honestly, stay hot. The Sens game was similar to the Bruins game. I would say. Do you agree? Hundred percent. Honestly, not too much to talk about there either. Other than two two game, and then the the wheels fell off the way. Yeah, yeah. I thought plain and simple. I was gonna say no. Samsonov, I think, didn't play too poorly. I don't remember. I don't think he played that. Honestly, bad. I'm not. Here's the thing. I'm not gonna bag on the guy. He's played no. at that point. He was he's played very well. He this played. Year. I think that was his fifth game in eight yeah. days or nine days, something like that. So I, I get fatigue's gonna I set he in. Played all right. I don't. From what I remember, yeah. some good opportunities. Ottawa's got some good shooters, and then the Rangers game was really fun. You know what? That was a nationally televised game, and the Leafs pulled one out in overtime. Credit to the Rangers. Shesterkin looked awesome. They do. They have some very big defensemen that are really good at suppressing chances, and but I think the Leafs like just kept coming after them and resulted in uh, a nice little overtime win. Yeah, with a fantastic goal from Mitch Marner, cool. flying flying through the air, flying to get that goal. But yeah. uh, finally, won a game in overtime. Feels like yeah, I know. After we rarely do that, but uh, yeah, let's get into what's up next. Let's just let's. I just want to touch on. Austin Matthews being out because I think it brings up like uh, something, something that it's it's related to the trade deadline because it really shows how glaringly poor our center depth is when someone is out. Right, 
Not saying like when we have all four guys in the lineup, I, I like I like the center depth of Matthews, Tavares, Camp, Holmberg. It's not the worst. It's not the best. The top two definitely is what's pulling the weight there. David Camp is again strong, responsible center. Don't like yeah, he's kind of maybe he's shooting over, punching over his weight, uh, being playing in a third line role with the amount of minutes yeah. that he plays, uh, being just honestly a purely defensive player. But um, but yeah, in, in a fourth line role, Pontus, Pontus Holmberg's fine, right? So I think uh, that brings up like an, with Matthews out, it brings up like a very interesting and important question. It's like we I don't think we have good enough center depth. I think you're you don't at all. We don't. We Plain definitely don't. You, you don't. You talked about that. We don't. And we like we're going to talk about trade deadline targets today. They're not really going to be centers. We talked about that last episode. If you want to go check that out. But uh, yeah, just just thinking about how like with Matthews, it'd be nice if we had another center right now. So personally, right now. I think the center depth is an issue. So you have Matthews Tavares. That's a championship level center depth right there. That's a very good one-two punch right there. Like we talked about three weeks ago or four weeks ago on the... Uh, the other show, uh, what makes a championship team. Or, yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, something, something along, along those, lines. those lines. But so that that's a great top two. David Camp is a fine center. He's a good shutdown center. I like David Camp. I really like what he brings to this roster. David Camp can't score. David Camp can't generate offense. Is that really what you want in your third line center? Does I, he really make up for it that much defensively? Ideally not, but like I, it would be curious to see what he can do with two very offensively inclined wingers on his on, on either well, wing. We've kind of seen that though. With uh, the, not we not saw f- it with Nylander, but we, who was we, the other one? We saw it with Mikheyev a couple times last year. I think they played. Was it Mikheyev, Engvall, and? Yeah, Camp for Mikheyev, Caution Camp. I thought he Mikheyev Engvall Camp. Was, they were able, uh, they were able to drive play. I don't know how how good they were at scoring, but uh, we did they, see it a bit. But I I don't want to take. I'm not trying to take away. Like I agree with your point. We should be looking for a third line center, right? Possibly. I think that was that's one of the options. Like it, like ideally in an ideal world world you have David Camp. Like David Camp is your fourth line center. That's a great fourth line center right there, but. You have a great fourth line center playing third line center right now. It's kind of an issue. Maybe we can make up for it with adding another or two other good third line wingers. Yeah. Maybe sliding Callie Arncroft down or adding whoever on the other side will help to make up for that. That that is entirely possible as well. But in terms of center depth, I mean and then your fourth line center, if you don't go get another center, is Pontus Holmberg, who I mean He's he's okay, I guess. You don't have the greatest fourth line center then. I mean, he's all right. Still kind of young. Question what he's going to look like in the playoffs too, but we'll kind of see there. So it's uh, but you did raise a very good point with Austin Matthews out. There's a glaring hole in terms of the depth. Now you have Alex Kerfoot, who at one point was your fourth line center, is now playing second line center for you. Yeah. I think he was demoted to fourth line center because he was doing nothing out there. Offensively, he has been horrible this year. And he's playing second line center for you now because one guy was taken out of the lineup. So coming back from the all-star break, I think it's going to be important to see when's the first game after the all-star break. Uh, is it on February Monday? 10th versus Columbus? Or is it, is it it's on, on a Tuesday? Friday? Friday. We have a break. Wow. It's a long break. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that there's a little bit more to peel back about Kerfoot because I think 
a big thing that they're looking at is to see like what what exactly they have in Pontus Holmberg, right? We've we've seen him play thirty ish games in the NHL right now. We know that he's probably an NHL player, like like very likely to be a, a NHL an player. NHL player. Sure. He, he yeah. is, yeah, yeah. We'll give him that. Yeah, and I think they put him up against the Senators in that second line role because they want to see if they can make make do without having an Alexander Kerfoot in the lineup. If they can make do where if an injury happens, if Pontus Holmberg can step up and take that place. Because in the past, that's what Alexander Kerfoot... Got, I don't want to say that was his role, but like when, when our centerman got hurt, when John Tavares... Was it John Tavares last year got hurt? John Tavares got hurt in the playoffs against Montreal. And against Montreal, he stepped in. When uh, Austin Matthews is out for a couple games, he stepped in last year. And yep. we tried with Willie, never really stuck. And I think... They never felt comfortable with Willie, so that's why they've kind of kept Kerfoot around. I well, think that's- with William Nylander, the big thing is also on his wing when he's playing center, you're not going to have the greatest wingers yeah. on either flank, number one. Number two, they like William Nylander when he's able to generate office, offense and the way that he creates space when he's the first one out of the zone. Typically, when you're playing center, you're not the first one out of the zone. Yeah, You're, yeah. The, last, you're the last forward kind of thing. So that's where, yeah. And so, so maybe maybe William Nylander can work at center. Sorry to cut, cut no, you no, off. Okay. Maybe it can work at center if you then have another like center winger ish kind of like how what Mitch Marner does with um, John Tavares or what we've seen with Mark Stone in the past, mm-hmm. where a, a center a winger that's able to kind of hold that load at center. But we don't have that luxury at the moment, so keep William Nylander on the wing. It's fine. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, I was just, I just, I just wanted to say, like, keep an eye on where Kerfoot is playing when we're back, because I think that's gonna read a lot into like what we, because it's coming close to the trade deadline now, and it's gonna, gonna, we're gonna read. Uh, you can read a lot into these decisions, right? When we play Boston, I see, I see, I see uh, Kerfoot there, and I see them. That's the least saying we want to win this game, right? Because obviously they don't think Holmberg there is a their path to like is a path to victory against the. Boston Bruins but I think it's important that Holmberg steps up and is able to play that role because again we've talked about this all year and I feel like we talked about it last year too if we want to make a big ad we have to move Alexander Kerfoot is the odd man out if you want to make a big ad for the forward he is the guy who goes maybe it's Pierre Engvall it could very well be but you're not gonna you're not gonna find someone who carries the same cap hit as Pierre Engvall it's easier to find someone who's good with Alexander Kerfoot that's like kind of the idea so I just want to say maybe pay attention to those things because I I I see Kerfoot being the odd man out here. So Possibly. is it surely looked like that on Friday. Yeah. Because when you took a center out and you and Kerfoot was still fourth line center, that was a bad look. That was a really bad look. But you know what? He then bounced back, had an assist against Ottawa. Um I don't know what he did the rest of the week, but who cares? Anyways. Yeah, Alex Kerfoot still, still quite an enigma. Still trying to figure out what the hell he is. Year four into his Leafs career here, but anywho, uh, shall we move on? I think yeah. plain and simple, the depth isn't good enough. We'll yeah. get into that in the trade targets section. Yeah, that's that's definitely an area of improvement. Another area of improvement that I think we kind of poo pooed at when people uh, brought it up, when media members brought it up, and it seemed it it was. I think part of the reason why we we uh, shot those ideas down is because, well, yeah, sorry, let me preface. The idea is that a lot of insiders are saying the least might trade for D. There's rumors of Gavrikov, there's rumors of McCabe, there's Jake rumors McCabe. of maybe Luke Shen. Um, but uh, I kind of I think we kind of shot those ideas down because it's kind of been a tired 
narrative about this team is that they're not good defensively, therefore they need a defenseman. And before tonight, I would say that is ridiculous because I think our defense group has been pretty good. Mind you, we don't we don't have an elite number one defenseman. We've talked about that. We don't have that, right? But I think we have three, so we have three solid pairs. Tonight, it did not look like we had three solid pairs. No. It did not at all. The Sandin Lilligren pair did not look good. And that's not good. They were playing against a, they played majority of their minutes against the Hall, Krejci, and Zaka line. Mm-hmm. I think that was the line. Um and they didn't look good essentially. Like, and that's not good enough. They're they if they're gonna be utilized as our second pair, they have to be better. Um but I'm gonna I wanna give them benefit of the doubt here they're still young they could still improve but like it's getting to the point now where it's like all right we 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 need we need you we need you guys to start start playing like top yeah top four guys so So in terms of defense like as a whole not just the defensemen uh leafs are seventh in the league seventh best in the league and expected goals against per 60 at five on five so pretty solid there in terms of scoring chances against per 60, they give up the 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, oh my god, 8, what is that, 9? Nine? 9, yes. ninth best in the league in terms of scoring chances against per 60. And then Corsi, for, uh, Corsi against and shots against, again, they're in the top 10 as well. So in terms of defensive metrics, public public summary defensive metrics, they seem to be in the top 10 for those. I mean, could be they have a couple pretty good two-way top six forwards in there. They have, like David Kampf, as you said, is a good defensive. So they have some forwards that do help to contribute to that. That's our, essentially, sorry to cut you off. I just want to say that's essentially our entire build of our bottom six is like defensive forwards, Mm -hmm. right? So that they've been shit. They have been shit. You're right. Just to put it bluntly, they've been shit. I don't care what they're good at. They've been terrible. <laughs> I, I want to remove a lot of those players from that lineup and don't want to see them in the playoffs. Fair. But, anywho, in terms of the actual question, are the defensemen good enough? Well, like to, to peel back this question even further, like what is good enough? I, I know it sounds like, I'm going on like a philosophical rant. It's like, what is, what is defense? Defense is defined as the absence of offense. But like, you have to look at what's the, the actual standard that we're trying to go to. No, the Leafs don't have the best defensemen in the league. They don't have the best defense core in the league at all. Not even close. But in terms of what's necessary, the Leafs have a very good top six. Especially now, like, Callie Yarncroft is really helping to round out I want to say or make that top six more consistent because he is vibing very well with John Tavares and whoever is on that wing over there he's playing very well in that kind of passenger put the puck in the back of the net when you get the puck kind of role so that's where it's really helping to make that top six pretty scary and then when you have Austin Matthews back and healthy like again one of the best centers in the entire one of the best players sorry in the entire league so that can kind of help to shoulder a load with the defense. The defense doesn't have to be the very, very best because you have one of the best top sixes. But to still answer the question, is the defense right now as it sits good enough to win, to, like, to make a run, to go on an extended run? 
tonight, a very good question. Tonight it felt like no, honestly. Tonight, it, it, tonight I know, it, felt it makes like no. tonight makes it a lot it more difficult harder. to answer that question because they just look like shit. And again, even against Ottawa, that was horrible. Ottawa was targeting Justin Hole like no tomorrow. And guess what? As it sits right now, Justin Hole is one of your top four defensemen. Like as shitty as it is, yeah, I guess yeah. So, like, I really wonder. Like, would it be better to go Giordano Lilgren as your top, as your second pairing, and then Hole Sanding as your third pairing? We've seen Hole Sanding work before. No, you're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head because there's a simple solution to this, and, and what it's is it? and it's to free TJ Brody of Morgan Riley of the weight that is Morgan <sighs> Riley. Honestly, I think I that's what I think this, the the better the best solution would be. I really think so because I think we we like. We've seen all other combinations. Send them to the KHL. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know. Where are you going to put them? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I, I... Has it gotten bad enough to the point where you need, like, maybe Morgan Riley needs to take a seat? We did see it with Matt Dumba I, in Minnesota. I, I don't see why not. And like, honestly, I'm going to use that as like the perfect segue because I, I I coupled together a few stats. Listen, these aren't the fanciest stats, right? They're very pretty simple. They're points, okay. And their wins and losses. It's it's essentially these are like I looked at these. These are like Sal from Sudbury stats, but they're not, but it, but it's not like listen. It's not any in depth thing. Here's the thing: Morgan Riley, when he's when he since he's been back, we are nine, six and two, right? Not the best winning record. Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad you said it like that. We're nine, six off, and two. Off air, you said nine. They're nine and eight. They're nine and eight since Morgan Riley's come back. I'm like, okay, give me wins, losses. Yeah, well, give it to me properly, and you did. Thank God. They, yeah, they they got they squeezed out a couple OT wins too. Anyways, whatever. But the I, wins, losses, whatever. The, what I'm more worried about is that he has four five on five points in the last 17 games. That is brutal. And honestly, if he was contributing even a little bit on the power play, that'd be okay. He has three power play points. He's like he is essentially a nothing for us. He like what is he separating from anyone else? What what? It's I I I don't even know what You're to say. I'm at a loss of words. I'm just honestly so beyond frustrated because listen, our the, offensive defenseman is our, not producing offense and, and can't play defense. And it's frustrating because we talked about it in the off season and we didn't address many of the issues that we had. Our goaltending is still not very good. We can't rely on and, Elias. We can't rely on Elias Samsonov. Listen, I. I thought he's been playing well, but if he, if you can't play seven games in thirteen days, then how are you going to be able to to win a playoff series that goes to seven games? I mean, you I can't, right? Matt Murray, it's we, his seventh game though. That was the seventh game he didn't play well. Yeah, I mean, so how do you play against New York? How do you play against he, Washington? He still played well, but but again, the like, sixth game. Do you, do you feel com- solid? Do you feel comfortable going into the playoffs with Ilya Samsonov and Joseph Hall as your two starting goalies? Do you feel confident with Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray as your two starting goalies? Forget about Matt Murray. I don't know. Matt Murray's going to trip Who over knows? the curb and Who knows what's going to happen? Like get injured. We didn't but. address. We didn't address our biggest need in the offseason. Maybe we deal with Ilya Samsonov. Hopefully he's going to be good. But there and then also we didn't address our, our need in the bottom six, right? Yeah. Our bottom six still stinks. We don't have the scoring, and it's like we need Morgan Riley to step up and be good if we want our team to be good. He is honestly the crux of it. He is like the the inflection point of this team being good or not, not good or wow. not, but like of this team having cup, proper cup aspirations and, and having a potential to win and not right. Because right now we have TJ Brody essentially anchored to a guy who's not good defensively. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's not scoring. So we are in my eyes, we're wasting TJ Brody. 
It's yeah. a waste of one of the best. Of, he's he is literally TJ Brody hasn't played a lot of games this year, but in his small sample, he's literally one of the best defensive forward in the NHL according yeah. to expected goals against. And sorry, even strength defensive war according to um, Evolving Wild, he's literally number one mm-hmm. in like per per sixty. Yeah. So if I I don't even know how to fix this. I don't know if freeing TJ Brody of Morgan Riley helps things. I don't know if it makes it worse, but like. We got to do something a to major make major shakeup in the bottom. That that's what I'm looking for in our defense. We need a shakeup. Yeah, the big issue I saw tonight from the D was like number. It, it was the turnovers in the own end. Like the they puck were bad. management they were in bad. the own end was terrible. By the end of the game, the, it, they're sorry. By the second period, the blueprint was just flip it out into the into the neutral zone because we can't get the puck out on our own. So, I mean, and the second goal was a, a, a very good example of that. Like. Logan and Sandine were literally throwing grenades at each other. Like, I don't know. So, does a major shakeup do enough? We'll see. I mean, I, that's something I want to see. Also, the other thing, like, you need to, like, a, a lot of people, oh, the Leafs have great defensive depth. Okay. But again, in the playoffs, you don't play with defensive depth, you play with a top four. So, not only do you need a shakeup, you need a, like, you need to clearly you need to more clearly define who's your four best defensemen and who are the two other ones. Yeah, and listen. I I don't know if I'm going to regret saying this, but like if they don't see a fit for Rasmus Sandin in the in the like if you don't think he's going to be a top 4 defenseman this year or next year, ship him out. I'm sorry. Like I I I I'm getting to that point now because like we're just wasting value. It's just bad value to have a guy like that. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I think he already is a pretty good player. But I think we're just wasting a ton of value with him, honestly. If we're just going to leave him in the six-pairing role, and then if we're going to go on and trade for a defenseman, he's going to be scratched for the rest of the season and not play in the playoffs. And I think it's just an incredible waste of value. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't quite agree with that at the moment, simply because with Rasmus Sandin, he is a player that takes a lot of chances. And so you're going to get these games where it's dash three. Of course. But listen to this. Dash three against Boston. Washington, one assist plus two. Ottawa, dash three. (laughs) Dash three plus two, dash three. That's kind of funny, the consistency there. But How how about this one, the last four games? Dash two plus two, dash one plus one. Who's that? Morgan Riley. Here's the thing. We have two of the exact, maybe the, I don't know if they're the exact same player, but they do similar things. And it's like, I don't know if those guys do we, like we've seen that kind of bef- like m- way more extreme version. We kind of saw it a little bit before with Tyson Berry. Oh. It's like, do those can they can these guys coexist on the same defensive grouping and do well? Am I galaxy braining myself? Am I overreacting to Boston? I don't know. I like Rasmus Sandin. If I ran the Leafs, I would not get rid of Rasmus Sandin. I don't. I don't like the way Morgan Riley plays. I think he's a negative defensively. If I ran the Leafs, I wouldn't have him on my team. But again, I don't run the Leafs. I'm just sitting here in my basement. With my yeah. popcorn on my chest, on 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 the beer belly, and saying, "Hey, do this, do that," right? Like again, yeah. that's all we can do. But I was going to argue against you in terms of, oh, is Rasmus sending? He's playing third pairing, but you're actually right. He has not played over 20 minutes since December 15th. The last time he did was December 15th against the Rangers, and in which before that he was on a streak of playing 20 minutes and a night. That I think that was because we had a. Injuries though, TJ Brody out, Morgan. It was Morgan Riley. Morgan was out. Riley out, and um, but 
uh, it's because we have this weird thing with our defensemen that we kind of have a bunch of guys playing like 20-ish minutes, and then Morgan Riley plays like 28, 25 minutes a night, and then it's like just a weird distribution. We just that have a weird – we, I'm curious to see how we distribute our defensive minutes compared to like our defenseman's minutes compared to other teams because it's not a traditional one, two, three. No, and no. our like – and I, honestly, maybe this is like a philosophical conversation that we need to have of like, is it, is that better? Is it, do, do you prefer to have like, is depth good? Like you said, like, do you prefer to have like, would you rather have like a terrible five, six to have like a better one, two, right? Like probably. Yeah. But and I mean, right. Like 23, 35 tonight, 2003 against Washington. Okay. Because they won five, one, 21, 40, 28, 15 against New York. And that's a 28, 15. He didn't. Did he get on the ice in overtime? I don't think he did. He did not. No, it would have been only like you no. Know, he wasn't on the ice for sure. It was Lilligren and Camp. Camp. Marner won it in nineteen seconds. Yeah. yeah, so it wouldn't even so, have made a difference. Oof. And like, listen, Morgan Morgan Riley was on the ice for twenty eight minutes. He's an offensive defenseman, and he shot the puck three times, and that's it. That's all. Those are all the counting stats that he got. Well, yeah. What other counting stats are there? Points, but points. Three shots is a lot for defensemen. I mean, he shouldn't be a shot every the, a shot every ten minutes. Well, yeah, he also shouldn't be shooting the puck three times. Anyways, he's but, got a terrible shot. Yeah, but he shouldn't even be playing twenty eight minutes. I think. Anyways, I I think the my my point is if I don't even know if I had a point with this. It's just let's see like a shakeup with the defenseman. Let's see Morgan Riley playing less minutes. Um, and let's yeah, let's see let's see different looks like because yeah. I think Morgan Riley simply just plays too much. Just plays too much. So it's a good point. Maybe it can help him if he, like, maybe lessening his load is going to help him out. I don't know. It's, it's entirely possible, I think. But, anyways. Yeah. That All was right. a tangent. So, I, I. Do you want to get into trade stuff? Yeah. Yeah, let's do let's, that. Uh, let's get into it. So, I asked on Instagram, what do you think is the Leafs' biggest need that they need to fill? I believe I said that. Yeah. Which position do you think the Leafs need to improve on the most? There are a lot of different options I could have given here, but unfortunately I was limited to four. But anyways, 47% of people said second line left wing, third line scoring got 24%. Defense caught up at the end and said 24%. I'm curious, maybe a lot of people voted that after watching tonight's game. And then other was uh, only 5%. I got a DM saying that... uh, What's this say here? From Nick, he said, the correct answer is a good third-line center camp should be fourth-line center, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think that's a good point. point. I think it's a fair point as well. So, in terms of that, we went through some players. Here are some notes. Number one, and I think this was the number one trade, like trade bait player, even with if Bo Horvat was on the docket or not, Timo Meyer. I think T- I like Timo Meyer more than I like Bo Horvat. I would pay Timo Meyer for I would pay more for Timo Meyer than I would for Bo Horvat 100%. This is a prototypical power forward. Hits a lot. He's got some speed to his game. I really like the way that he uses his body to protect the puck. He can score from the perimeter. He can score from in tight. Good off the catch and catch and release. He can like in every way this guy can put the puck in the back of the net. And he's got some grit to him as well. Had a big fight against Boston after throwing a, a nice hit. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, this guy's very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
He's solid. I don't know. Like, unfortunately for San Jose, like you the, have to their get rid of timing it doesn't, of for doesn't make when sense. they rebuild, it doesn't make sense. Does not make sense. And a reminder, he's. It's not like he was a guy who came out of nowhere. He was drafted ninth overall in 2015. Like he's, yeah. he's like a legit has that caliber. He's like yeah. he's that caliber of and guy, and I think he might be one of the best trade pieces available on the market since he is the best. In, no, no, like oh, in like the past couple of years, time. like. Better than Taylor Hall was. Better than, uh, like yeah. at, at least at the time of trading for Taylor Hall. Like I, I'm trying to think of like who has been dealt, who's been better than Timo Meyer. Maybe you can argue Claude Giroux ish. Claude Giroux, but Claude Giroux like more at the. So. Here's the, the the interesting thing about Timo Meyer is that he's that in his prime. He's in his prime. He's 26 years old. He ha- he's an RFA. You get control, right? There's the all these factors that are like. Yeah, there's a slight negative. He's going to cost $10 million next year if you don't get a deal done, but you still Ball keep him. Is. You can trade him afterwards if you want. Like, like, let's say, let's. So the asking for price for Timo Meyer, according to Sheng Peng from, uh, I don't know where he's from, but he's a San Jose reporter, very, like, very good on the beat, like, oh, yeah. one of the best, like, he's covering his own teams. Very good. Um, he reported that it would be a, you need a first and one of, what I interpret as one of these three things, grade A, two grade Bs, or an NHL player and a good prospect. A young yeah. NHL player and a good prospect. Yeah. Which is essentially what... Well, we saw Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat 25% retained. He went for an NHL roster player, middle six, and er, middle, middle tier kind of... Or sorry, what is it? A mid... mid a top nine column. Anthony sure. Bayovier. Yeah. Who is kind of an expensive contract youngish but we don't really know what he is but he is an nhl player yeah right with control for next season yeah on top of that they got a2 ratsy who is a solid prospect he's a good player i would say he's really going to come into his own o2 late o2 birthday fell in the draft because of a, a weird draft year that he had i don't know up and down and issues whatever but rebounded the next season had a point of game in liga solid prospect there and then on top of that, they have a top 12 protected first-round pick. So kind of a similar to return what you said, what you mentioned for Timo yeah. Meyer. Well, that's what kind of like the same price. The, the, the thing is the NHL is very much like it's not efficient. No. Like, Timo Meyer is better than Bo Horvat. The chances of Timo Meyer being traded for like less than what Bo Har- when the, what they got for Bo Horvat, maybe they get a prospect that's worth And you're worse guaranteed next right? – like, you sorry, have control. He's an RFA yeah. after this year. So it's massive. either either you trade him, or then you have the opportunity to sign him. Mm-hmm. So and and I think it, it's this is someone who you should a hundred like the least should a hundred percent be in on without a doubt. And I think this is one of the the, the only guys that you'll probably see, or, or the definitely the only guy this year that you would be willing like I'd be willing to part ways with Matthew Nice for him. I'd be willing be, to part ways with anything, literally <laughs> anybody, uh, like anybody who is not like already signed to our roster essentially and even got like other than honestly Austin Matthews, Mitch Martin, or William Nylander, is there anyone who you would care about trading for maybe Timothy Lilligren and Brent Raza Sandin? Honestly, probably not. If you're getting Timo Meyer back, if you can fill the Tim, defensive Tim hole. Tim Lilligren would be a tough loss. Yeah, that's the tough that's loss. That's the issue. I wouldn't trade Raza Sandin for him. I think but he can get it done without Raza Sandin. Such a good ad. Oh my God. He he's the He ra- checks off all the boxes. What do we say? The Leafs need more scoring. Yeah, and, and it's funny because in that poll you asked more depth. The more biggest thing that people people like wanted was a, a, a sorry a second, second line, line left, left winger. winger he would not play on the second line he would first he line. would probably play with Matthews and Marner and that'd be the best line in the last year Matthews Marner bunting was the best line in the NHL 
I thought at least. Obviously, yeah, I'm biased, but one of I believe one of one of the top three. You can argue. Meyer on that line. That is by far. Well, that is one of the best lines the world might ever see. <laughs> like, no, but actually, like he is so, be ridiculous. How has there ever been a, other than when Boston Boston had those three had Pasternak, Marchand, and uh, Bergeron playing together? Has there ever been guys who are all point per game on the same line? That's what that's what potentially you could have with this this three four group. So like if you can get Timo Meyer, you get Timo Meyer. Yeah. The question is, what are you willing to give up for Timo Meyer? So would you be willing to give up a first and and Matthew Nice or Timo Meyer? First Nice. I would do that without even care. looking. I would do that sure. without even looking. Like, Done. and I think cool. you can get him for like probably cheaper than that. Honestly, like yeah, you, you could probably leverage your like B level prospects and get him. Like I would give away the two finish lines for him. Yeah, for sure. At first, and the two finish lines, I don't even know if those are considered Bs or are those guys. I don't. Uh, it's weird pro- prospect grading, but yeah. Anyways, to wrap it up, I think we've talked about Timo Meyer. He's he is so good, solid. It's just yeah, you got to be the team that he gets drives him. offense very well on yeah. his own. Like it's he's a very very good player. Let me take simple. I just want to take you through this scenario just before we get off Timo Meyer, right? Because everyone's talking about it, like. You can dr- trade a first-round pick and, let's say, two two B-level prospects. Let's say you keep Matthew Nyes and you trade two. I don't whoever. care. Nicholas yeah. Robertson, whoever, anyone. You get Timo Meyer, and then next year, you can just trade Timo Meyer for a first. I'm sure a team like Ottawa, like, uh, I don't know if New, New Jersey, Jersey might not maybe. be. I don't know if they'll be a fit depending on how, how they, like what they signed Brat for. Anyone. Um, I mean, when you look at it, Kevin Carolina Fiala, even maybe like Kevin Fiala was in the same contract situation as what Meyer is in right now, and he got traded to LA for Brock Faber, a first round pick, a mid first round pick, and I think something else. I can't remember. Like that's a that that's a decent return, and for Meyer, like the whole league is gonna kind of handcuff you where it's like, okay, you can't afford that qualifying offer, like. We're going to kind of discount you on what we offer you because otherwise you're not going to be able to afford to qualify him and then you're going to lose him for free. So even then, like you're, if, like if you acquire him with the purpose of not signing him, you're still going to get something back at least, I believe. But then, you def- you definitely then again, then, like does the player upset about I don't know, but whatever. Okay, listen. The player has no, unfortunately, the player has no right uh, in, like, not no right, but they have their right is to sign a ten million dollar deal. That's yeah. that. That's his right. Doesn't matter who he goes to, right? But I think it could even work where you keep him. I don't know how the money would work, but you could keep him, and he is in. He is essentially Nylander insurance, because if Nylander leaves, Morgan Riley LTIR, <laughs> Morgan Riley waiver wire, <laughs> freaking waiver him. Do what they did with McDonough, honestly. But anyways, cutthroat league, like come on, man. Mm. Let's move on. Timo Meyer, uh, that's the excellent hot, player. Like, if I could, if I had one wish, I'd wish for Timo Meyer. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, plain and simple, hard not to like this player. Let's get into his teammate Kevin LeBanc. Straight to the bank. Had a fifty-six point season a couple of years ago. Got paid one year, one mil, and then after that, hasn't produced to that level, unfortunately. But. Here's my thing on him. He got signed, and then he didn't produce the level that he signed. Uh, he no, he put up 56 points, signed yeah. one year, one million dollars. Yeah. When the 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 Sharks were cap strapped, didn't produce after that. Like the year after that, his numbers dropped, and mm-hmm. then he signed like 4.75 4. by five. Yeah. 
and then he still couldn't produce to that level. Yes. So my thoughts on him, he's he's his speed is okay. It's not bad. I, at first, I thought it was bad for some reason, but then I was corrected on that. It's decent. He's like a 3.5 out of 5 skater. It's a little bit awkward. First step is maybe a little bit heavy or clunky, you could say, but definitely is able to get out on the ice, no problem. And it doesn't really hamper him, I would say. But I really, my thing about Kevin LeBanc, I really like his positioning and his awareness. When he's out there with Eric Carlson, like Carlson freely jumps up into the play, comes back, jumps up, whatever. LeBanc is usually the one to cover for him every time. Recognizes, oh, Carlson's here. I got to essentially move, create some space, and cover for him so that we're not going four-on-one the other way. I really like that part of the game. Um, plays F3 and recognizes when he needs to cover for pinching defensemen. I already said that. I don't know why I read that. But I like his use of space and ability to create space. So, for example, in the neutral zone, puck's coming up. They're trying to Sharks are trying to break out through the blue line, right? LeBanc will then recognize, okay, this player's watching me. I'm going to run a fly or it's a post route or a fly route, whatever. I'm going to sprint down the ice. So then that takes one player away from the breakout, opens up a little bit of space for Eric Carlson. What can Eric Carlson do in space? That, or if that player doesn't follow you, then you have a breakaway, right? He did that a few times, recognized that a few times to make some space for his teammates. Really like that one. Um, and his scanning work in the defensive zone and his ability to break up pay- plays I also thought was pretty nice too. Like really good defensive uh, recognition. And I think the charts match that as well, don't they? Yeah, here we go. But so other things, I don't think he's really a special teams compliment, maybe on the, the PK, but whatever. Not really going to be much on the power play. I don't think he plays PK. He doesn't play PK. No, there. There you go. So uh, on top of that, he isn't really a physical presence. Doesn't, isn't really, he struggles in the corners to get body position, I would say. Um, his shot is really quick. He actually has a pretty nice shot, but here's the thing. He has as many goals this year as Pierre Engvall. Yeah. And here's my issue with, okay, like, oh, like maybe he can add some scoring depth. Like he scores in the similar way that Pierre Engvall does. When he has the time and the space, he's able to bury it because like Pierre Engvall, they have a pretty heavy shot. Doesn't really get into those dirty areas to score doesn't really get those tips or those greasy goals in front of the net. So is that going to address the the Leafs issue with bottom six finishing ability? I have a tough time believing that if you add this guy, it's like, oh, that's our bottom six finishing ability. He does some other things very well. I think he would fit very, very well in the top six as a complement to John Tavares and William Nylander, able to provide that defensive stability able to make more room in the offensive zone for those two excellent offensive players, like compliments them very well and helps to move the puck up the ice. He's a decent uh, playmaker as well, I would say. And then that would move Callie Yarncroft down the lineup, and then that helps with your finishing ability in the bottom six. So, like, he, he is in that Callie Yarncroft kind of tier. Like, isn't I wouldn't call him a second liner, but, like, can complement a second line. Mm-hmm. And he played well with the... Uh, he was on a line with Hurdle and Timo Meyer a couple games that I watched him. And I think they they really benefited from him on that line. It wasn't just, oh, he's just a passenger out there, whatever. 
Like I, I thought he, he he had a solid game, a couple good one timers. Likes that F three position, but yeah, so pretty good little player. Unfortunately, the cap hits a little higher, like four point seven five. I would say. Yeah, it's four seven five. And but he's signed for next year as well. Yeah, that's I think the most appealing part about him is that he is a and he, he is on the block. He has the ability. Yeah, he's on the block. He has the ability to play in the top six, and he signed for another year. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're looking at guys, if you're looking for Coleman's or Goudreau's, if you're looking for something similar to that, this is probably the closest guy on the market right, as of right now to those guys. In not in play style, because those guys played a completely different different style than what you're describing right now. LeBlanc plays, but we're talking about like contract, and I think I don't know about team fit is the right word, but more more so like just the there is somewhere like I do see a if, fit on that second line. He's like it's like it's like Hagel. It's like it's. Those these mm-hmm. what what the smart teams are doing are acquiring players with more than one year and getting term on these guys. And if you can get the Sharks to retain on him, Ooh. he will be a, making two, just let two point three some odd number two point yeah. three seven five mil, and having Kevin LeBlanc get that much, I think that is a great it's a great number. acquisition, a great acquisition because essentially like that's what Pierre Engvall is getting right. So like yeah, if he's like he. If if he's Pierre Engvall, but ability to play in the top six, and you're only paying two seven five for that, I think that's a pretty good number. And yeah, um, again, the downside though, like you said, not not the best finishing touch. And his thirty games in the playoffs, he only has five goals and fourteen points. I don't know exactly how many minutes he played, but it but is important. How many in that playoff run that they had? Of how many points? Yeah, nine points. He had nine in points games? in twenty games. So that's okay. It's okay, it's not bad. But that that was the year he scored forty. He's Scored for fifty six points, so uh, okay. that was his, his mm. peak year essentially. And yeah, so and another downside he doesn't have that physicality that I guess some people want yeah. in the bottom and six. And the physicality so. will help in the uh, with like bringing that energy and helping to juice the team when they're down, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah you you wouldn't really be getting that from him. Does throw the body from time to time, but like not a consistent physical presence, like with like Timo Meyer or. I'm Barbashev. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, so fit wise, I think he does fit. I think again, like he is that, that second line, uh, second line winger that potentially could fit instead of Kelly Yarncrook. If Nylander would probably move to the left side, if that was the case, cause he does play right wing. Um, so, uh, and Nylander has been comfortable playing on his left wing before. So that sh- shouldn't see that as too much as a, as a problem. Yeah. He could also fit in the bottom six. I think he fits well with our team. I think it's a guy that I would like the Leafs to go and get price-wise. I'm not sure how much he would cost. If you look at... Uh, Didn't he get scratched recently? He did, which is interesting. I don't know if that's a scratch because he wasn't playing well. I don't know if that's a scratch because they're trying to protect the asset. Um, I don't know. But if if <laughs> if you can get this guy for, I think... If you can get this guy retained, especially for for a, even a first, I think. I think that would be a good trade. If you can get him for less than that, I think it's a steal. Because if you look at what for what... For what uh, Blake Coleman went for, Blake Coleman also was a more at retained too. Was Blake Col- Blake Coleman wasn't retained though? Well, Barkley Goudreau was retained. I don't one think of, one of them was. One of them was retained. I want to say, but they or they had that second year, whatever. I know Barkley Goudreau went for a first round pick. And they he both had did twenty eight points from the Sharks too. Twenty eight points in sixty games. Yeah. So Bar- Blake Coleman though he was making I think two at the time. Something of the sort. He was making a one eight. That is crazy. It wasn't retained at all. Wasn't retained at all. Oh, I thought it was. He was making one okay. eight for okay. two years, and they got 
they gave the 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 uh, Tampa Bay Lightning gave Cal Foot, who was a former first round pick, who was drafted that year. It was on Team Canada. Yep, and he was 29th overall. So I don't know if that's like treated as like more of a second rounder because he's no. like he was a solid was a, prospect. Yeah, so a solid prospect and a first round pick is what the cost was for Blake Coleman. So he's not. I don't, I'm not saying Kevin LeBlanc is better than Coleman. They do different things, but I think that. If you can get this guy, I think that's a good deal. Yeah. On, and honestly, I said this last week with killing two birds with one stone. Do the exact same thing here. Like, if you have the chance to get Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBlanc, you do it. You try and get both of them. Because uh, injecting those two guys into your lineup just... It takes your team, I think... I take, it takes the Leafs to the next level. I was having a conversation with some friends, and it's like, if if you want the Leafs to win this year, they can't be good enough, like good a good enough team to potentially make the Stanley Cup Finals. You have to look at this roster and say, is this the best team in the league? And the, the answer has to be yes. That's if you want us, if you want this team to win, we have to like that's what Tampa did, that's what Colorado did. That's how you win. You look at you, you make your roster the best it can possibly be because they they can't play that suppression hockey like we've seen some teams go to the finals and do. Like, yeah, it's like you really have to be. Like, oh, look at the roster up and down and be like, oh, yeah, this is the best team in the league. Yeah. And uh, one note on it, LeBlanc also, and LeBlanc also, LeBanc, LeBanc, LeBanc Brooklyn kid, uh, <laughs> uh, analytics darling. So, yeah. Re- what really, are some of the numbers? Like 76 offensive or percentile, 95th defensive or percentile. And it's always nice to see the expected higher than the. Actual, actual, yeah. not the Kerfoot situation. Whereas, actual goals above replacement is thirty, and is expected is zero. Oof. That was a funny one last year, but yeah. Anyways, yep. Uh, let's get into. He's a center slash winger, Adam Enrique. I know. I was why your brother and I were watching this one at the same time. Um, I was he was watching Colorado versus Anaheim, or I was watching. I can't remember. Anyways, we both watched Adam Henrique and kind of came away with similar things. It seemed like he was on a line with uh, 37. What's the kid? He played for Team Canada in the summer. Troy. Looks like Ogie Oglethorpe. Plays Troy Terry and their third overall pick. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on this guy's name. Keep McTavish. 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 Pretty good player. That's a guy. But. He was with Troy Terry as well. It seemed like the puck was in their own end the entire game. Like it was it was in their own end a lot and they had trouble getting the puck out and sustaining offense in the other team's end very often. On top of that, on their line, they could they really couldn't chip and chase. He's not much of a chip and chase player. He's not much of a puck retriever. Um and number one thing to note, his skating is not good. He is slow he is quite slow he doesn't hit he's strong on his stick i like that like he he is pretty strong at like breaking up plays in the defensive zone where like through stick lifts and whatever and stick checks but he's pretty slow he doesn't have much of a playmaking ability pull is evolving wild charts i'm curious to see what they are he has pretty strong offensive impacts really yeah because he's not much of a playmaker his shot is decent. I will say he is he's decent around the net, like pretty good one-timer, that kind of thing. 
more of a shooter guy, but doesn't really he's again for the nineteenth time. He's not much of a playmaker. Um not like not much of a passer. It was just kinda like it was kind of awkward watching just watching him, I was like, where would this really fit in the Leafs bottom six? Like he's too slow. Would pro- could probably be a defensive liability if he's in that camp spot, unfortunately. Um, he's not going to be like he's not playing with any playmaker, so who's getting him the puck? Like Troy Terry got him the puck a lot. Troy Terry is a disgusting player. Troy Terry is very, very good. And he has benefited tremendously this season from playing with Troy Terry. So that, that, that is something to note there as well. But... I don't know. Just the skating was a big turnoff for me, in my opinion there. Fair enough. And he is in a similar scenario where he is signed to one more year after this. But again, cap hit 5.825. Incredibly rich for a player like him, especially if he's not playing center. I believe he got that cap hit uh, when he got that hit. He was playing center or he was like meant to play center. Because mm-hmm. that seems like a number that you would give to like a center, not a like second line winger, bottom six winger. But um yeah, he might be like one of those guys who are a trap, right? Like Possibly. I, I don't know how. I think he will get moved. Yeah, from what I've heard, I think he will get moved, and it will be curious to see how much Anaheim retains on him. But I really question how high in the lineup some teams are going to put him. Who because... Who do you think a team? I don't. Do you think he's a fit for the Leafs? First of all, no, I don't. think Would so. you be happy if we trade for him? What What uh, asset would you be happy that we traded? If we acquired him, like, what, like, let's say we we made a trade with him, what, what the would issue that trade is, be? Like, for how much you'd have to retain on him, like, it's it's not viable for like fair, not that much. That's the issue. So, like, if we gave up a first, like for he him. didn't drive the offense on his own. He doesn't drive offense. He doesn't carry the puck up the ice. Like in terms of uh, zone entries and zone exits, it wasn't doing anything on that part. That was more so Troy Terry, like just a lot of pieces missing from it. Like defensively responsible, I will give him that. But, like, not physical, struggled to get the puck on his own. Like, a lot of pieces missing that I really want. I wanted to like this guy, but, meh, it just wasn't, wasn't there, right? So, it'll be curious to see what he does after his contract's up. But, yeah, not a fit for the Leafs, in my opinion. I was hoping he would. It would have made sense, Right. 50% retained on 5.8 is 2.9. To have a guy that has scored 30 goals on your third-line center, that would have been nice. But unfortunately, we can't take Troy Terry with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's Adam Henrique. Out on, out on Adam Henrique. Out on Adam. In my opinion, out on Adam Henrique. Um, next week, I do want to take more a deeper look into Chicago guys for next episode. There are some names. Sam Lafferty is a name that's floating around out there. Good cap hit, good bottom six kind of guy. Max Domi's name is out there. His, his contract is expiring. Athanasiu, I haven't heard anything, which is kind of weird because his contract is the same as Domi's. And I believe they played together a bit this year. Maybe not. Who knows? Patrick Kane, obviously. I can't wait to watch that one. Jonathan Taves' his name is out there. Jake McCabe. That's a big one out there because he is a solid defenseman in my opinion. So we'll have more Chicago guys. We'll watch more Chicago um, in the coming week and have a better description of those guys for you. But let's get into some defense. Yeah. 
Vlad Gavrikov. I thought this one was very interesting, and I haven't heard what like the radio sh- stations and all the analysts are saying about him. I'm curious to say because I I thought I came into this I was like okay this guy's gonna be a big bruising defensive defenseman right. He didn't hit that much. It was like a hit, he's like a hit a game kind of guy. Pretty big frame on him, like wide shoulders, I got to say. But wasn't really like a bruising, like uh, the word I'm looking, um, the word I wanted to use is not a good one. Physical guy in front of the net. Like someone that's going to hurt. Someone that's going to hurt you in front of the net kind of thing. But that's not really what I saw from him. A lot of his offense comes off of activations from the point which is like jumping up into the play, jumping up into the rush. Funny enough, he has I believe he has 3 goals this season. Does he not? Yes, I think so. Does, I don't know. Look that up. But I believe he has 3 goals this season. Two of them have come in overtime. Where he jumps up in yeah, 3 goals this season, two of them in overtime. Like how many defensive defensemen make it out there into overtime? Well, kind of shows what Columbus's defensive situation is, but Nice jump up into the play and nice finish off a, a one-timer there, which that's how he scored a lot last season as well, or a decent amount, I would say. Um, his production levels are kind of low in terms of points and shots, uh, where low. they rank on with the Jackets and where they rank overall, I would say. His points were 60 last season at 5-on-5 five five was actually above, just barely above Wierenski's. I believe Wierenski was at 1.0 and he was at 1.01, so... It was a little bit interesting to see, but then again, he was like 20th on the Blue Jackets in in terms of that stats. Um, something where I think it's going to drag down his numbers, he is the the Blue Jackets ranked 26th in the league in five-on-five goals. Um, four, Colorado is... Is that four against? Probably against. Colorado's 27th in the league. Yikes. Or no, that's four. Yeah. 26th in the league in five-on-five goals. Four. Colorado's at 27th. They're, the Jackets are 27th in the league in expected goals for, 26th in the league in scoring chances for. Their offense is just not there. They're getting caved in on defense as well. So I do like, in terms of what I like about Gavrikov, I do like the gap control. He is a tall defenseman. I think he's around 6'2 or so. 63220. 63220. So a sizable defenseman with a good frame. The gap control is not bad. He's able to control that pretty well. I think he maintains that space fairly well. He uses his stick off the rush pretty well as well. Like doesn't allow them to get too close or controls their kind of space and what they're allowed to go to. Um he isn't he isn't really like a needle move. He wasn't like I know people aren't talking about him like he's the second coming of uh B- Bobby Orr but wasn't the like wasn't really controlling the game. He he was all right though, I will say. He was a tiny bit heavy-footed, but I mean that comes with being 63220. Um his shot-based metrics again, what from what I brought up earlier, they're not going to be the best because the team kind of stinks, but then again when you're a guy that's playing over 20 minutes, like you are kind of contributing to that. I think he would be, he kind of falls into, he's like your fourth defenseman, but you got to kind of pair him with like a good other player. Like if he's, 
if he's being paired with like Justin Hall, it's like, okay, ooh, hey, we got a, a little bit of an ugly pairing here. Yeah. Um, where I like what I think he goes for, his cap number is very manageable. It's two, uh, it's two something. Two point two five or something two point eight, lines, something yeah. around that. Actually, it's two point eight 2. exactly. 8. So fifty percent retained. That's only one point four million. Yeah. Or maybe a team has the cap space, and they don't have to get them retained there. So that's pretty nice there. I think he kind of falls into like the David Savard kind of level. Remember a couple of years yep. ago when he got traded from Tampa? So they did have to move a first to get him, even though David Savard had le- like I want to say less points than what Gavrikov had. So. Kind of keep that David Savard Gavrikov parallel in mind when thinking about his return, but he was all right. It was an it was an all right defenseman, I would say. Like big, used his body well to protect the puck in the in the defensive zone. Um, wasn't the most physical, like or tenacious and decent gap control. Uh, like wasn't much of a passer either, but you know he was all right. Is he like a slightly less defensive, more like not? I don't want to say more offensive, but better, like less defensive, better play driver than what David Savard was. Because David Savard was kind of like a nothing, nothing happens when he's on the ice kind of thing, like yeah, strong defensive impacts, but also terrible offensive. Impacts. Probably better offensive wise because yeah. he likes to jump up into the play. He likes to create that mismatch off the rush or in the offensive zone. Right, he is inclined yeah. to do those things. Yeah. But he isn't as nasty or doesn't hit as much as what or not as good at shot blocking as what David Sfard was. Yeah. You you kinda said exact like similar to what Frank Cervelli said about he watched some Gavrikov as well. I was listening to a podcast with him talking about it and he said about the same thing is that like for his size, you're surprised when you watch him that he doesn't hit more. And he's, he's not physical, you know? Yeah. So he laid one hit or I was like, Oh that he was something. Yeah. But it was one hit. Like he he doesn't not hit. TJ Brody has like a hit every other game. That's pretty low for a defenseman. Yeah. But he does other things well. Gavrikov has like a hit a game where it's like, but you see a guy 6'3, 220, you kind of expect to, him to run guys. But maybe that's yeah. just being faced at the NHL now, honestly. That maybe it's just not really his play. But it's not his play style. Whatever. But I feel like more of the guys coming up now are, that's not going to be their play style. Possibly. So that's a market inefficiency, we'll call yep. it. Anyways. Yep. Um, I want to get into another guy, Luke Shen. I've seen a lot of people say bring Luke Shen. Like, where do you, where would you see Luke Shen fit within the lineup right now? I don't know, and I think I think that also falls into the Gavrikov conversation. Kind of what I brought up earlier with Rasmussen. Gavrikov, if you don't know, plays the left side defenseman. So, where does he fit? If you you're not you're not you're not getting rid of Mark Giordano. So, and you can't you physically can't get rid of Morgan Riley. So, it would be Rasmussen be replacing Rasmussen, but it's like. Is that the best use of assets for a rental too? Like, yeah, he's up at the end of the year, right? So, like, crushing is that the, the best use of it? spending a first round pick to get sixteen minutes of Gavrikov a night when currently, right now, Alex Kerfoot, due to injuries, is our second line center. Mm, I don't know about that. Like, you wouldn't play ahead of Mark Giordano. Like, obviously, whatever. I mean. Morgan Riley is what I, what he is, but he would yeah. be your third pairing defenseman. Yeah, with yeah. Rasmus Sandin sitting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not. It's just an inefficiency. I don't see it. Yeah. So Luke Shen, where would you? He's a right shot defenseman. Plays the right side. 
Where would you think he would fit? Anywhere? On the third pairing, maybe, but also like I would just rather have. I know people aren't gonna like this, but rather have Justin Hall. And I'm, I mean, I don't know. Justin Hall hasn't been that bad this year. He's been fine. It's just the again, this, a little up and down. The Boston game is fresh in our mind, so it's like very yeah. much swinging our perception of him, where he's fumbling the puck right next to the crease and almost causing goals because of those things. It's like, yeah, uh, that's who you would replace. Again, I've said this. I think I said this last year. I'm going to say it again this year. I said in the off season, they're not moving Justin Hall. I don't think they, I don't think they are. No, I don't either. So I can't see it. Like maybe, where does he fit? I don't know. Like maybe that's your replacement for Justin maybe, Hall. I, I think maybe, Luke Shen is a, a better, like, he does play defense better than what Justin Hall does. He is a very he's very physical, likes to block shots. Like I would say he's decent at that, like you know, when you, you, you slump back and you just don't allow that second chance to happen. I think he's pretty good at that kind of style. However, he's an offensive zero. Let's yeah, just say like he can't move the puck out of, then he can't move the puck out of the out, out of your own end. Galaxy brain, maybe he plays with a um, Morgan Riley. Maybe that's the answer. And then no, you have no. well, no, because no, you would have no. to take you would take Sandin out. No. It's obvious that that that's what they would do is they would take Sandin out and you'd move Brody to the left side. So maybe you'd have like a Brody, a Brody Lilgren pairing, and then you have the Shen Riley pairing, and then you keep the, I don't know. the pull up is evolving wild numbers. They're not good. Exactly, they're not good at all. I'm just hey, I'm just he trying. was playing with Quinn Hughes. Like I don't know, I feel like it's kind of a parallel and look where vancouver is they're loading not good it's like mid not good yeah the problem is so whatever the problem is is he's just he's penalty kills, that's are terrible okay well yeah vancouver's horrible on the penalty yeah. kill so they're they like they're percentage wise terrible but like shot blocker physical guy but that's really it like I don't know. Again, is that the best use of assets? Like, I feel... I wonder if a team is going to pay... Like, Ben Sherratt got in for a lot last year. I wonder how much a team would pay for Luke Shen. Like, Luke Shen doesn't handle the puck or move the puck as well as Ben Sherratt did. And Ben Sherratt was terrible at that last year, especially in the playoffs. Oh, God. Luke, Luke Shen was appealing, more appealing last year because, again, he carried that two-year cap hit. Which is at nine fifty at nine fifty, which is more appealing than a, a rental. Giving up an asset for a rental who is going to be playing third like pairing said, rental six sixty minutes a night. Yeah. You can stomach that if you're gonna. He's going to do that for the next two years for you, but I don't think it. Like again, like a third pairing defenseman in the playoffs isn't that that valuable. The reason that Tampa traded a first plus for David Savard was because. That was their last little piece they needed left. And that was actually such a minimal piece. Yeah. But they had no other choice, I guess. And they, they didn't have their eyes on anyone else. So, you know, that's my thought. I mean, Luke Shen, I don't, I, I just don't see, don't, I don't, I don't, whatever. In terms of need. So like from those guys that are available in turn on defense, like in my opinion, you're only trading for a defenseman. If it's someone like, good like a bonafide top four defenseman like outside of that gavrikov luke shen i like i wouldn't i wouldn't you you need to address the the bottom six more the only defenseman on the market 
maybe we'll talk about him. Maybe we won't because he probably he definitely won't get traded. At least the only defenseman on the market we'd be willing Jacob. to trade for is Jacob Trister, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Like I don't know who else on the market. You, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I can't even think of a guy. I think Sean Dursey might be on the market, but that's again. You don't. You don't, 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 need, don't that. need that. But yeah, anyways. No thanks. <laughs> like he's a good player, whatever. But in terms of what you have and what you need, needs and wants. That's a that's a Drake song, isn't it? I think so. You love Drake. I do. <laughs> but those are the guys that we had on the docket for today. Again, few were a fit. A few turned out to not be. So we'll see. Still plenty of time. It's only February. We've got a lot more guys to watch. Lots more. And the cards will continue to fold. I don't know. It's late. Anyways. But yeah, that's that's our my thought. Yeah, and let us know who you want to talk about next game. Next yeah. episode, we'll probably talk about like you said, Chicago, Chicago guys. I mean, we we have to cover like there's gonna be there's too many guys on Chicago to cover. Also, how much how much are we gonna talk about the All Star game? Really, there's not gonna be not that much to talk about. No. So best best time to send us guys you're looking for and players you like. And we'll take a look at them. So hell yeah, oh yeah. All right, we have anything else. Closes off. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go, Lee, go.